This is Bob Morris on Desert Horticulture. A hard freeze went through the valley last night, so today I want to talk about the effects that freezing temperatures have on plants and the difference between a winter freeze and a spring freeze, the importance of wind and freezing temperatures, and how to protect plants from freezing. These topics and more on today's Desert Horticulture. Learn more about desert horticulture by signing up for my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's all one word, Extreme Horticulture, and starting with an X. Take some of my classes on Eventbrite if you're in the Las Vegas area. That's Bob Morris on Eventbrite. Well, uh, a hard freeze went through the valley last night. I guess I should explain what a hard freeze is uh, compared to what a, f- a soft freeze, I guess. It's just a matter of degree, and it's it's how low the temperatures gotten for how long and, and how severe the freezing temperatures were. Sometimes when you get a light freeze, you may get some superficial damage to the plants or the leaves, whereas a hard freeze, you get substantial damage. And <clears throat> this is where plants, especially tender plants, begin to annuals die, and you may get some loss of uh, flowers and fruits because they're open or because they're almost open. Uh, Anyway, that's basically the difference. So last night, when I got up this morning and was out, uh, we were out planting fruit trees in in the orchard here in Las Vegas, um, I noticed when I walked in the shade on some wood chip mulch that it crunched. And uh, it crunched because there was a good solid freeze and the hoses that we had out there for irrigating the trees as they were being planted they were frozen they were stiff water wouldn't go through them so you knew that water was frozen inside the hose so I guess um, a little bit of discussion should be uh, is in is in point right now about uh, a discussion about why plants freeze in the first place. You know, there's lots of different reasons, but uh, one is uh, how the condition that the plant is in at the very beginning. Is it in one that's actively growing? Is it um, is it at a place where it's just been fed a bunch of fertilizer, especially nitrogen, where it's trying to push some new growth? Is it uh, is it in a place where maybe that plant is an annual? at least in a, a temperate climate, it's an annual, like a tomato plant. A tomato plant is an annual because it freezes. It's from the tropics originally, but because we grow it here, it freezes. And, of course, that stops all the production of the fruit. But we have other plants, too, that are tropical, like bougainvillea. That won't take any freezing temperatures at all. They'll go ahead and freeze to the ground, but we can, we can coach it to come back if we're careful in how we protect it. And there are a lot of plants that go into that category. We're, get, we're seeing people selecting plants that are annuals and trying to grow them in the Las Vegas Valley. They do that in Phoenix as well, and they do it in Tucson and a number of places in the southwest. And there are a number of Las Vegas residents that are getting quite excited about the possibility of growing certain tropical plants in the desert and managing them so that they come back to life in the spring again. And that's fine if you don't have something like a papaya that doesn't sucker very easily. 
doesn't grow back from the roots, like bougainvillea can and some other plants. As long as they can sucker and come back, they can freeze to the ground and they'll they'll be fine. They'll come back again. Figs can do that too, and you'll still get um, some production off of the figs. It may not be the the first crop of the year, the breba, what we call the breba crop, but you'll get that main crop that'll come in uh, on the new growth that's uh, growing on figs. So, <clears throat> so the selection of plants are important, but also how we manage them. Well, uh, if we're putting fertilizer down, high nitrogen fertilizer, we'll get a, a we'll push that new growth to come out, and, and the antifreeze that's produced by the plant. That's usually in a sugar, an accumulation of soluble sugars, soluble solids in it. That can be sugars, it can be carbohydrates, it can be a lot of different things. As long as it acts like an antifreeze and it's in the juices of the plant, in the, then it can help to, to prevent that plant from freezing. And uh, sometimes, too, water can, can be leaked inside the cells of the plants internally. <clears throat> and if there's a high sugar content, if there's a high soluble solid content inside the cells, and the plants can do that, they can they can shift things around inside the plants, and so that when they sense that they're getting into the fall, these are temperate plants. These aren't tropical. Tropical plants were came out of the tropics, so they they're not used to having four seasons or a, a freezing temperature come through. But some of the temperate plants, they are, and they've found ways of adjusting. And one of those ways is as the day length is shortening and as the nights are increasing in length, that plant knows, if we want to talk about it anthropomorphically, if we want to talk about it like humans, it knows that freezing temperatures are coming, so it starts to prepare. It starts to prepare by increasing the soluble solids inside the cells, the antifreeze inside the cells and inside the sap, so that it can handle a certain amount of freezing temperatures. And when those freezing temperatures come, they've got that built-in antifreeze. Now, if that freezing temperature comes too rapidly, then they don't have time to prepare for it, such as an early fall freeze, <clears throat> for instance, in the temperate climate. We can have quite a bit of damage because that plant's not yet prepared for those low winter temperatures. And the same thing can happen in the spring. You know, we can have plants that are starting to get ready to wake up from their long winter sleep. And these are temperate plants, and so they're starting to starting to act like, free, like spring is coming. So it's preparing for that. And uh, it will go ahead, and if it's caught off guard, well we can see a lot more damage in those plants than we would normally if it had just gone through those temperature extremes and those low winter temperatures and for the duration. And and it normally in, uh, in January, it could sail through. The middle of winter, it could sail through those temperatures. No problems at all. But if it's caught with its pants down, so to speak, it's caught when it's trying to get dressed in the morning, when it's waking up and it's preparing for spring. Well, we're going to see a lot more damage in plants than we will if uh, if they aren't prepared for it. So we have to look at that too. Is how well it's one of the things that we can do, and I'll mention a little bit later as we wrap up this thing. But and that's the application of uh, high nitrogen fertilizers. The the first number in that fertilizer bag. 
You can apply other types of fertilizers, but be very, very careful when you apply nitrogen fertilizers towards the end of the growing season. You want to give it about a two-month wait before you apply any, without nitrogen fertilizers, without access, the roots accessing that nitrogen fertilizer from the soil. You want to pull that off. So in about two or three months before winter starts setting in, you want to make sure that you're not applying any high nitrogen fertilizers in there or even slow release fertilizers such as the compost. You want to do, if you're applying things like compost that will release its fertilizer, its nitrogen value pretty quickly, you want to get through that early in the season, let that plant utilize it, and then and then slowly start to adjust for the dropping in fall temperatures, the, the lower light levels, the shorter days, longer nights, and as that plant starts to adapt to that, doesn't have access to nitrogen, you're not pushing more and more growth. You're not decreasing its hardiness for the wintertime temperatures. Well, then it can prepare for that winter much better than if you if you uh, apply those high nitrogen fertilizers after, let's say, in our climate, in our valley here, I would say after August 1st, you probably should not be applying any high nitrogen fertilizers to tender plants. That would include the citrus and those kind of things. The plants do have the, if you want to use the term, ability to shove this nitrogen fertilizer, if you want to call it that, but it's the potential for growth. It can shove it into, in, if the plant is is starting to age a little bit, getting a little older, it can shove that into uh, into storage. And you can actually skip a spring fertilizer. That's another topic altogether. So it's very important to, to be aware of the plants that we're selecting. And uh, if we're selecting plants that are susceptible to winter freezing temperatures in the Las Vegas Valley, I would, I would probably select plants that, uh, that could withstand uh, the mid to low 20s, 20 degrees Fahrenheit in here. You know, a good, um, that it can sustain itself a good five, six, seven degrees three, four, five degrees uh, below freezing temperatures in Celsius centigrade. So uh, with that, we want to look at that Fahrenheit around uh, 22, 23 would be nice, especially if you're looking at landscape trees. And it's a, if it's the backbone of your landscape, then don't don't mess around with uh, winter low time pick some low time temperatures and freezing potential freeze damage pick something that's going to survive that's going to last because those those trees are that backbone it's very important to the landscape to, for them to survive if you're going to experiment a little bit experiment with smaller plants that you can afford to lose in that landscape because there's a real strong possibility you could uh, you could use it you know, I, I tweeted this morning. I said, um, the, 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 the tweet I put at, ex, at Extreme Hort was, um, I said, can you guess at, at the temperature, or the date rather, uh, that the last freeze can come through 95 years out of 100 and you'll be fine? 
You know what that date is? It's March 15th. March 15th. When do people start putting out tomatoes? Well, they put out tomatoes when it's a nice warm day. And if it had been this year, they would have lost them. And they'd go back to the nursery and they'd have to buy some new plants or grow new plants if they can find them and put them out again. You really want to make sure that um, those freezing temperatures, there's a good probability you're not going to have them anymore. So good gardeners, they'll uh, they'll do a, co- a number of things together. They're going to, hopefully, they'll know about the soil temperature. Also, historically, they, they know when they can put tomatoes out. If you have a nice warm spring, you could get them out the middle of February. But uh, this year, not a chance. Not a chance because our daytime temperatures were were cold. You could hardly saw any out in the orchard area. We hardly saw any bees flying at all last week when the, when a freeze went through. Then this week, there were more bees out. But a lot of good that did. The bees were flying. They were pollinating the fruit trees. Well, then the freeze came through and probably destroyed any of the fruit coming from open flowers or anything that was starting to show some color at all. Any flower buds starting to show some color, they're probably gone because you know, open flowers, they can handle temperatures down to freezing, and that's it. They can't go go below freezing at all. Now, there are some differences in there, but uh, I'll mention in just a minute, but generally speaking, when that flower is open, it can handle down to maybe freezing, 32 degrees, maybe. Maybe. If there's any wind at all, it's going to make the problem worse, but maybe it can handle 32 degrees. If it goes to 31 degrees for 10 seconds, it may handle it. If it goes to 31 degrees for two hours, it won't handle it. It's going to die. The ovary inside the flower is going to die, and that ovary will become part of that fruit or become that fruit eventually, if it's been pollinated, if you've had uh, bees coming in or other pollinators. So if we had peaches that were open, and there were a couple of varieties of peaches that were open at this time. The first one, Florida Prince, was open real early. It was open just a couple days before uh, February 1st. Usually every year I can count on peaches um, flowering right around the 1st of February, every single year. And that's when the first ones start, and then they different varieties come in a little bit later. But those first varieties to flower will come in around the 1st of February. But you know, there's something else. It's a kind of a funny tale. Uh, I was uh, growing way back in um, the 1990s. I had uh, put in some Pluots, the Flavor Supreme Pluot. I, I love the fruit. The fruit is fabulous. If you don't know what a pluot is, it's a cross between, Zager Genetics did it, it's a cross between a plum, uh, a plum and an apricot. And the genetics, it looks more like a plum than an apricot, so the genetics are much stronger in the plum area than the apricot area, but the flavor is just fantastic. And I got real excited the first three years. Um, I was uh, I was growing it because the flavor was so good. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put more of these in. This is up at the University Orchard where we were testing. I was going to try some more, put it in. And I talked to the supplier who is for North America. That's uh, Dave Wilson Nursery. I was talking to Tom Spellman up there. And he said, Bob, 
just watch out. You better, you better wait for five years before you make any judgment calls. Sure enough, the next year, it froze. And the freezing temperatures came. It was just barely freezing. But the flowers were open, and I lost them. But there were varieties of apricots and peaches that fl- had flowers that were open that sailed through it. But there was just the temperature was just low enough to kill the pluot, the flavor supreme pluot flower, but it was not. There, there's a, there was some internal ability, if you want to call it that, an internal ability that some of these varieties have that can withstand one or two degrees Fahrenheit difference in temperature and sail through those real light freezes, not a hard freeze, but a light freeze. It can sail through those light freezes and uh, and you get a and you get a crop, and there are other varieties that cannot. So it just depends. It just depends on the variety that you're growing, but you, you, that's you. You learn that through either I don't know, but being posted out there anywhere, unless you listen to people like myself who've grown them, or other people who have had freezing temperatures and they have those experiences they can tell you about. But generally speaking, if you're in it for a business, if you're growing in, in an orchard, you stay away from those plants. You stay away from plants that are going to flower early or don't have that capability of withstanding a little bit lower light freezes that are coming through. You stay away from them. But when you're a homeowner, you can afford to take that chance. So plant selection, very, very important when it comes. So when we're talking about freezing of the plants, we, we want to know the low temperature that's achieved. We want to know how low the temperature got and how long it lasted, and the basic condition of the plant. You know, what variety is it? Is it capable? Was it a hard freeze? Was it a light freeze? Was that plant capable of sailing through a light freeze or not? Or was it really, really susceptible? But even if you're picking landscape trees, you really want to make sure that those landscape trees, those ornamental trees, can sail through those temperatures that can withstand those low temperatures. So pick something that's not going to get hit unless you can afford to lose it. Weigh that. So basically then, the difference between a winter freeze and a spring freeze is really the condition of the plant. Is that plant ready? Is that plant waking up? Is it just starting to have its internal juices starting to flow? Is it getting ready to push new growth? Do you see some bud swell or not? Are you looking at those buds? Are they starting to swell up or are they, they still real dormant? But even, even, even if you can't see it, these, some of these plants will start to prepare for the spring growth much earlier than when you can see something. But when you look at something, that's something you can you can see and make a judgment call. But just keep a, keep in mind that that's not the total total answer. That there is a possibility that that plant could be could be waking up from its long winter sleep, getting ready for spring, and you don't see anything, and you could still see some damage. That's why spring freezes are much more damaging than winter freezes. Winter freezing temperature and spring freezing temperature. So keep that in mind. It, 
purchase yourself a little recording. I went and checked on Amazon and I found a, I have an old Taylor uh, thermometer that records the last 10 days. It does day one, day two, and whatnot. And you can read the low temperatures for each of those days. And it's all corded. It's on, They're on cords and they've got little things that, uh, sensors that you can place outdoors. But you're restricted because of the length of the cord. So you put it next to a window or something and get the cords outside. Don't kink them. One is an internal, so you can get the internal temperature of the house and then an external temperature as well. So it usually has two probes. I saw those online for 12 bucks, $13. <laughs> and it's wireless. So it gives you the, the, the low temperature. It doesn't tell you how long, however. It just records the low temperature. You've got to get more sophisticated equipment if you're going to do a watchdog or something like that that's going to be able to record. You're going to spend a, a, a couple hundred dollars for the, for that kind of instrumentation. But if you want a general idea of whether it froze last night or not, those are fine. Those little Taylor Scientific um, operate on batteries so you don't have to plug it in. It's a nice little device. $12. How can you go wrong? But anyway, you get one of those things. You put it out, set it up. The instructions are with it. Easy to follow. You'll be able to do it. Just get that because it's nice to know what those temperatures were, um, the, the, the extremes. What was the low temperature in the winter and what was your high temperature in the summertime? I, I'd pick one of those up. The next area that I don't have any any real science behind this because uh, the science has been a little disputed, but I wanted to talk about the importance of wind. We know that we know that wind can be damaging during the winter time. Uh, there's lots of evidence where snow has covered pine trees, for instance, and the plant beneath the snow, 32 degrees, was fine. The plant above it, where it was exposed to wind and sun and everything, was damaged. We we know that. But what's interesting is I can hear or think I heard where where the temperature wasn't even fro freezing last night and yet there'll be ice on the street early in the morning. And I'm thinking, what's the deal with that? Why is there ice on the street? And it didn't even freeze last night. It came close to it. But that's not what the... Th Evidently, I mean, this isn't magic. It's not something where these things came through and and uh, something magical happened and suddenly it froze because a you know a magician was out there doing something. No, there there has to be a scientific explanation behind it. But all I know is this: I know that if you have low temperatures and you also combine that with wind, you've got more of a problem with your plant than if you had no wind at all. Same temperature, same duration, you're going to get more damage. So for that reason, one of the things I would tell you to do if you're trying to protect your plants from freezing temperatures is get them out of the wind. The other thing, if you know that your plant could freeze to the ground, like a bougainvillea for instance, if it's going to freeze to the ground and you know that and you're prepared for it, then Protect the base, that what we call the crown of the plant, or the base of the plant, just entering the ground. So that if it does freeze back, it won't freeze back all the way 
into the roots. Because once the plant freezes into the roots, there are a lot of plants that won't come back again. They won't sucker from the roots, but they'll sucker from a little bit of stem tissue that's alive when it, after a freeze. It'll go ahead and sucker from that. There are some plants that will, will grow root suckers, but generally speaking, what we want to preserve is a little bit of growth right at the bottom, right at the bottom of the plant where it enters the ground. So we pile something on there just to keep the wind off of it, keep the temperatures, we hope, a little bit elevated, but get that wind off. So you can pile it with mulch, and you can take a one-gallon nursery plastic nursery container, cut the bottom out of it, slit up the side, put it around the plant, and pack that full of mulch. Cut it way back. Cut the plant way back. Don't, you know, let's say you've got a lantana. You know that's going to freeze back. So you wait until you you think you're going to have some freezing temperatures. You'll cut it back to about an inch above the ground. And then, and then when you do that, you'll go ahead and take that nursery container, cut the bottom out, cut the side up, put it there, and uh, pack it full of mulch. I guess you don't really need to cut the side out unless you leave the stems in place. But if if you did that, if you cut it all the way about an inch above the ground and then put it there and packed it full of mulch and held it in place so that the wind doesn't blow it off, maybe with a stake or something, in there, it'll it'll keep it from from freezing a little bit better. You could do that with bougainvillea. You could do that with a number of plants just to protect that crown area from freezing so that you have something to go on next year when it starts growing again. So so if you're going to protect your plants from freezing temperatures, there are a number of people that hang Christmas lights and whatnot in it. And that if they're not LEDs, if they're if they're heat generating types of Christmas tree lights, and that'll probably add a little bit as long as there's not a strong wind. If there's a strong wind, then forget it. They aren't going to do much for you. Uh, but if you can keep that wind off, you can put up a small windbreak protecting those plants. Keep that wind off of it. Keep it diverted away from those plants. Pack it with mulch. At least protect it. Maybe you've got a, a tender citrus plant you're afraid of losing. In, in, because of low winter time, you, you hear reports. But um, pack it with mulch. At least protect it enough so that the wood and a citrus above the rootstock stays alive so that there's something that can grow back if you do have extensive damage. And that's where that slit, I guess, comes in in the nursery container. And if it's a larger tree, don't use a one-gallon. Use a five-gallon and pack it full of mulch. Anything in there to keep the wind off of it, keep it a little bit, put a blanket around it. I don't mean a physical blanket. I shouldn't have said that. Now people are going to go buy blankets. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the idea of a blanket around the tree to keep the wind off of it, to keep it a little bit warmer in there from the soil, from the heat generated from the soil. Uh, but that will also help protect it as well. And don't fertilize tender plants after the 1st of August. And if you're using slow-release fertilizers, such as compost, then do it early in the season. After things have warmed up, Go ahead, put your compost down, push that new growth so it has some new growth for next year, and then don't do anything more unless unless you know that plant is not winter tender, that it can sail through those winter temperatures.
Okay, I think that's about all I have to talk about today. I, in fact, I hear the, the music. So let me wrap this up. Thank you again for joining me on Desert Horticulture. 